Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based on the role of a 20-sided die. That's not a thing that happens anymore. We gotta rethink that intro. I'm Jordan. I'm Cody. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta rethink that. I'm gonna have to like just think of another thing. Hey, welcome to World Shop, the story podcast. There hey, we welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we see who talks first based on the role of a 20-sided dice. Welcome to World Shop. Things happen based off the side of a 20-sided die. The Welcome to World t- Shop. I'm writing a story about world. It's not about worlds, but yeah, I'm, I'm writing, writing a story, story about worlds and shopping. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to World Shop, the podcast that's outlived its name. Hello, and welcome to World Shop, a podcast. Any more pictures? Because <laughs> we could do this all night. We could just not have a show. And just no, I'm, I'm out of ideas. That's that was it. I hello, was... welcome to the World Shop. Cody's out of ideas. Anyways, Cody, how are you doing? Uh, you know, yeah, I'm doing fine. I really should stop eating chips. No, it's fine. It doesn't bother me any. It I actually, bothers me. Like, mouth noises aren't one of those things that get me, you know, so it's all right. Okay, so how are you doing? What have you been up Do I have to, like, ask you how are you doing? What have you been up to? Like, keep going through every single motion for you to, like, talk to me as a human I'm, being? I'm upset that you're acting like I'm the one that derailed the conversation while you're slamming Cheetos like a weirdo. <laughs> Not even a Cheetos. I'm slamming tortilla chips because they're the best. Just went on a Cheeto digression, then you're like, why aren't you carrying the podcast? Okay, so, the, you know, we talked earlier today, and I said, well, you know, there's something I want to talk to you about, but I want to wait until we're recording, because I know it's something that we want to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and that's Archive 81. Really, there's two things. Archive 81 is the first one. I'll get to the second one in a second. So, Archive 81, you told me to watch. I laughed in your face. You got really mad at me because I started watching it. No, 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 not because, like, it's, you make it sound like, oh, I got mad at you out of the blue. No, you laughed in my face when I brought up something and didn't even let me, like, get a word out. I'm like, oh, I've been watching Archive 81. I think you would like it. And you laughed at me for that. That's and exactly like, what I just said. Yes. Uh, you yeah, brought yeah. up Archive so 81 and I laughed in your a, face. You're, you're a horrible person. Um, so, the first episode is boring. I, I maintain that's true. Um... So I, I started watching. The reason I laughed is because a bunch of people suggested it to me, and I watched the first episode, and I was I was just oh, spoilers for Archive eighty one. I was bored out of my mind for like the first three quarters of the first episode. I did not care. I only cared in like the last minute, basically when like the twist of episode one as he sees his dad in the recording. That was when I got into it. Right, that like hooked me, and I was like, ooh, interesting. You know, um, I started watching it. And I really was enjoying it. I like thought it was great. I will say the part of it that lost me a little bit was how many times a guy who's like a freelance VHS restorer in New York. Is it New York? Is he in New York? I assume it's a city, so it's got to be New York. Which if I if I was going to imagine a job that is does doesn't exist and where you would do anything to continue working, it would be freelance VHS restorer because that's not a real job. But anyways, that's what he does. The amount of time he... like Can we swear on this podcast, Jordan? Yeah, I do all the time. I couldn't remember. The amount of time he tells his boss to fuck himself, I'm like... Uh, like, dude, you don't do that if you're a freelance VHS restorer. You, you say yes to anything. And I get the part of it. It's like, oh, well, this guy needs specifically you to do it, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, you don't say F yourself to the person who's But he doesn't know that. Work. Yeah, it's like he's paying you a half... like. A quarter a year of your pay that you need to do like a week of work, and you're like, go fuck yourself. Like, d- 
No, no, you're like, please, uh, please don't fire me, sir, please. I'll just, I'll do literally anything. But, you know, they had to make the main character cool, so. Um, and, like, that made sense for his podcast friend who's independently wealthy because he has rich parents, so he can, yeah, like. and the podcast. <laughs> well, but, the, yeah, that's not, what's implied here is that his dad owns the, like, studio that he records in, so I don't think he needs to be successful, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um. He's just skating by on having rich parents so, that own real like estate in New York. Okay, so, yes. Until the last episode and, like, the really? last three quarters of the last episode where I... It just all fell apart to me. It just, like, there were so many things and they did not all converge into a, a, a resolution that, to me, made a whole lot of sense or was very no. satisfying. No. Um. So, there's, like evil witches that turned good and then i don't quite know why the old guy wanted him to restore the tapes he's like but my brother was bad and i'm trying to keep the gate closed and there's like this creepy god and then they go to like the upside down and they're getting chased by a scary monster and then what really lost me is so he finds the girl he's trying to rescue and drags her back through and he's about to drag her through the door and then like the the creepy like cult leader guy grabbed her and drug her through the door instead and i'm like where did the creepy cult leader guy go it's just like it didn't quite you, you know what i mean when they have like all these little bits like all these interesting things and it didn't quite get to a resolution that tied all those up nicely it kind of felt like they got to the end and they're like uh he's in the 80s like when, when <laughs> was that ever a thing that could happen i don't know like Sure, like, what did the witches have to do with it? Like, I don't know. Why was the old guy doing this? Like, if he hadn't done any of this, the door would have stayed shut. So what was he doing any of it for? You know what I mean? Yeah, it just, I like, mean, felt like at the end, the old guy had to be doing something creepy because they had been telegraphing that he was a creep, but they didn't really land. I don't know what the old guy was doing. Like, the guy that hired him, I don't know why he hired him. Because he's like, I want to prove that my brother was murdered yeah, well, he he was trying to find like the ritual in the tapes and um use he, the tapes as a like gateway into going to the other world but i thought he didn't i thought he wanted to leave that door shut he's like my brother's a creep i want him to stay in he's, hell he was lying <laughs> he's a bad guy you think he's telling the truth about the whole thing no but i also don't know what he wanted to do <laughs> he's just like i'm villainous and scary like what were you what was your end game because i don't know why you did anything that you did <laughs> like even if he did manage to open a portal to hell i don't know why that's bad other than it burns down whatever building you open the portal to hell in you know what i mean we don't know season two that's all yeah, i mean you know i understand what I mean. your frustration but the, yeah that's like the making of a season two that that to me okay so i've listened to a lot of podcasts that are this format i haven't listened to archive 81 so i don't know if it's good or not but i've listened to a lot of podcasts that are like that horror like old recording kind of genre that's like its own yeah. thing and all of them seem to do this where they like can't stick a landing. It's like they go up and they do like a bunch of flips and twirls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look, it's beautiful. It's amazing. I've never seen such a virtuoso display. And then they just land right on their face and they're like, we did great, right, guys? Like, no, you didn't. Cause I don't know what just happened. <laughs> like, I'm confused. I don't what know who these witches are. <laughs> like, they're. I just, I couldn't tell you what was happening and why and why anyone wanted to do any of it. Like, there's like, and then there's like that old timey, like, what, 1920s, like, society cult. I don't know why they were doing anything that they were, they're like, we want to, we want to find this old god who can, like, grant wishes? <laughs> yeah. So it's a genie? Yeah, that's what they thought. But like that, why do they think that? Does the old guy he, want wishes? 
I don't look, Cody. Why don't you either rewatch the show or just enter it and ask them or call just call up the writers of the show. I'm pretty sure they will love to explain it to you, Cody. Well, what I think it is is they would love to continue having a podcast to explain it, so they have to keep asking questions because if they ever wrapped it up, the podcast would be over. And that I think is what is actually happening here is they need to keep that wheel a turning. So keep asking questions. It never leads anywhere. And I, I don't know. I found that frustrating. I really yeah, liked it know. until the last out, like thirty minutes, and I was just like, "What? Yeah, why?" Was, my only issue was it was was like the last five minutes where he's somehow trapped in the eighties. It's like, okay, yeah, like, really, yeah, we have to have season two. Huh? If if it, if it had ended slightly differently and they had spent a little bit more time wrapping up something or explaining what was going on, I would have liked it a lot more. Than I'm in the eighties now, like. Like, wouldn't oh, you have shown up and stopped yourself from going and also you hate time travel shows so how can you like this i hate time travel paradoxes this is a time travel paradox why would he not wait 20 years then tell himself not to go there and do the job because then they'll disappear i don't know i don't care i th- enjoyed the story yes i hate time travel but i enjoyed the story okay and I enjoyed I like the creepiness. That's... I enjoyed the whole, oh, hey, we have to find, like, an innocent girl and slit her freaking throat. That was, like, that I, was I, the I other love, thing. I love horror that does that, where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, we lo- we, we're we going to, like, treat you as a special somebody. Now, come here really quick. Hey, stand here. Ah! Slit your throat. Let's drain their blood and drink it. It's like, yeah. I, I think that's the other thing that went, like, a little, like, maybe one episode too many times when, like, again, it's like, you suspend disbelief, but you can only suspend it so many times. Like, I would have quit, like, day three. Like, I wouldn't have given notice. I would have disappeared. Like, I would have called my podcast friend and been like, hey, you need to come pick me up right now. This is an eyes wide shut situation. We're leaving. We're leaving town. This guy's creepy. My dad was on these tapes. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> like, you come get me right now. I just want to watch reruns of Hercules or whatever. <laughs> But instead, I mean, he's just, like, going around the house with a pipe wrench, smashing down walls, and I'm like, well, I would have okay. been done with this so much I'll, sooner so than this you. Is, this is honestly ironic, because this is kind of the same thing you said at the beginning of our story series, where I read my first part, where it's like, oh, yeah, I would have been out in a second. But then, Cody, the story would not have existed. No, and, okay, so here's what I will say in favor of your story compared to this. It, like... It happens once and you can go, okay, suspension of disbelief. It happens twice and you go, okay, suspension of disbelief. It happens like five times and you're like, you've had a person show up like twice to get you and be like, you should leave. And you're like, no, I got to stay here and figure out, I don't know, something, I guess. Yo, hey, you got to figure out something, I guess. We've made it full circle, everybody. He said by username in the episode. You know what I mean? It's like... you can suspend your disbelief a certain number of times, but eventually it kind of, like, goes does that loop too much, where, like, oh, this boss is creepy. Like, well, I could ignore that once. And I'm like, this boss is creepy, like, ten times. I'm like, I'm out of there. Yeah, there is nothing that would make him me... in, like, the basement church thing, I would have been like, okay, guess it's time to leave and never come back. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like... It's like, when you corner me like that, you're clearly going to have me summon some ancient eldritch god and, like, destroy the universe. Not doing it. The Kalego wants out, and I am not letting it. Bye! I just... Again, it's like, I wish that I had known why the guy wanted to summon an eldritch demon, because I just don't know why he wanted Power, to. Power, man! 
freaking power. Thought that it but, could grant him power or he could control it or something. I don't know. I don't know what crazy cult leaders think, dude. Well, the cult know. leader in the 80s, they kind of explained it. Like, he was a he was like an egomaniac who thought he was like, you know what I mean? He had like delusions of grandeur. That almost makes sense. This old this other old guy's like, I'm just I'm just confused about my little brother. You know, and I'm just concerned about you it. You do that I'm voice like, way too well. <laughs> I don't know what your deal is. I can't tell. I've lost track. You're creepy. That's it. Like, I think he's a bad guy because he's creepy, but he hasn't actually done anything that bad other than, like, do a background check on his employee yeah, and I make him live in a house alone with no internet, which is its own weird thing. Like, that's... He probably watched him while he went to bed and masturbated and all that stuff. It probably got really weird for a little bit. I mean, I didn't go there with it, but you did. Also, yeah. the fact that he, like, again, this is, like, one of those, like, it doesn't quite line up where like some random old lady wanders into the house and she's like, I work here. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I would check on that immediately. Like you work here. What's your name? Like, okay. And as soon as she leaves, I would call Kelly my boss and be Ego. like, do you have an old lady living out here with me? Or what's up with that? Cause you didn't mention her. And when he's like, no, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get a gun but he, now. But he absolutely did know. The old man did know about the old lady. Cause he was trying to get her to help him open the portal. And that's why she said, well, he knows, doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not going to help him. What I'm saying is, I'm I'm the main character, right? I, yes. I, I a, an old lady wanders into the house. I call I the old dude. I understand what you're saying, but he would have been like, "Oh yeah, that's my um housekeeper. Cool." But he didn't check, and he wouldn't have said that because she was she had already refused, so she was just skulking, trying to stop this from happening. Okay. You're just picking it apart. It's fine, Cody. I don't I know. Just, Did you like this show or not? I didn't like the end, and that really makes it hard to like the rest of it. It's like if you had asked me one episode, I would have said, like, one episode before the end. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm really enjoying it. And then the end happened, and I was like, I didn't find any part of this satisfying or make any sense. That's fine. It's I Okay, so it is. Did oh you watch God. Arcane? No. Oh, so I feel the exact opposite about that. I thought the whole show, I'm like, Jinx is a character that is internally inconsistent. It makes no sense. And then at the end, they're just like, no, she's a villain. And I'm like, now it makes sense. I'm into it. You know? Well, um, thanks for spoiling that show for me. Thanks. I don't, I don't have it's to watch been it. out for so long. <laughs> I have no interest in League of Legends. I'll watch it eventually, but I have no interest in League of Legends. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of things you have no interest in, it is. Uh, Critical Role and Vox Machina. I know. So Vox Machina, I don't want to talk about this. Look, I, two seconds. All right, Vox Machina is really good. It's a really good animated show. Great, I really enjoy it. Love Critical it. Role is so, so boring. There are great moments in Critical Role. I do not know how anyone gets through them. I can't get through one episode of Critical Role. Neither can I. It's three hours of people getting hotel rooms. And I'm I think just it's like, four hours of people nope. getting hotel rooms. I think yeah, each I just, episode is four hours. <laughs> they're long. They are long for nothing to happen. But yeah, 20 minute episodes of Vox Machina I can get behind. But woof. Yeah. So long. Not, so long. Not, not a fan. Really? Not I don't mind making fun of, of them because they're famous. So it's fine. Yeah, they can. They make more money than us. We can say whatever the hell we want about them. They suck. Anyways. Um, is that all you got, Cody? That's all I got. What do you got, Jordan? Um, what do I got that you will actually listen to and maybe, maybe even care about? Nothing. Because you never care about a word I say. Um, 
I watched Archive eighty one and I liked yeah, it right no, up until the last after the last of my face. Anyways, um, the only thing is one Horizon Forbidden West is coming out tomorrow, so I will probably be talking about that for the next five months, um, because that's how long it's gonna take me to beat a game because I don't have time to play video games anymore. Um, and then the second thing is is that I love how immediately once I start talking, your attention goes anywhere else <laughs> i'm listening to you you're excited uh, about horizon you're gonna yeah. play it in a <laughs> and, the, and then um the other thing i've been um playing the um, new pokemon game because it's a nice little relaxation loop you're looking at see you're gonna laugh at my face again this i'm not gonna laugh in your face i didn't think you liked pokemon we've literally have talked about pokemon on this show before <laughs> I probably said some really unfortunate things about yes, Pokemon. We have, yes, you have. <laughs> That's why I said this is probably something that you're not going to care about. But yeah, no, it's more like Breath of the Wild came out and changed gaming as we know it. Now every game has to be like a super exploratory, um, like crafting an item grabbing game that you just explore the world with and that's kind of the case with this new pokemon game but because of that the gameplay loop of it is very relaxing and very chill i'm just like hey look there's an area over there i can go to that and then going there you don't even have to battle all the pokemon you could just toss a ball catch a pokemon to keep running like literally i will toss a ball and then keep running and then if it says i caught the pokemon cool if it doesn't i'm already like a mile away i don't care and but it, what's it's, what's the new one called um pokemon legends arceus but yeah it's very like sprawling like vista land type thing where it's very like stylistically it's very breath of the wild and it gets to the point where you can just literally climb anything. So it does do that thing. It was like, oh, that's a mountain. I can climb that mountain. Now, the real question here is what are the Pokemon battles like? Um, Like normal, pretty much. So there's no like trainer battle. Like there's barely any trainer battles. And all of them are like done during a cutscene of like you walk up and person talks to you. He's like, and they're like, hey, you want to battle? And it's like, sure, I guess. And then I destroy them because, um, through exploring i've over leveled the f out of my pokemon so like my pokemon were upper level 50s while everybody else's were level 30 so it's like oh yeah i think i can actually beat you this time and then i just completely turn their pokemon into ash and it's like well sorry is I it still like friend. click through a menu for fights yeah it's still turn-based uh, yes why because i don't think there's any other way to do a pokemon game <laughs> they tried to make like a pokemon fighting game and it sucks it's, what game's that the moba uh, the moba is no, really bad no but oh that too but yeah there's pokin tournament where it's like a like street fighter-esque style fighting game i and didn't know that existed it's bad it's really bad um but yeah no and but yeah it's t still turn-based there's not that many trainer battles a lot of the pokemon you can just catch without fighting them um, which like makes it easier. The only thing I don't like about it is like, so one to get like the quote unquote true ending, you need to catch every single Pokemon in the game, which is not every single Pokemon that exists, which is like a thousand at this point. It's only 237 in this game, but that's still a lot. Second thing yeah. I don't like is they want you to fill out all of like the Pokedex entries. And the way to do that is by either catching multiple Pokemon, seeing, like, the different Pokemon do, like, different moves, and etc. And I'm not really the biggest fan of catching oh. multiple of the same thing over and over again. Of course, yeah. with some of them, it's very easy. Like I said, you can just sneak up on one, throw a Pokeball, and then run. Um, but other ones, like, you actually have to battle, and that gets annoying. But I mean, yeah. it does look really pretty. 
it, it's very pretty and like like i said it's like my relaxation game right now it's it's a very relaxing very chill gameplay loop where like you can just put on some music and just run around and throw stuff at animals and be like haha got you bitch and but but yeah no i i i enjoy it i think it's um i i i know that a lot of people like a lot of quote-unquote true fans as you stupid nerds will do complain about how it's not like regular pokemon it's not this th- thing that i've always loved and it's, why would you ah, want it to it. be like regular pokemon it's so boring. i know but yeah yeah the, the, but there's like that whole side of it and I, you know what i don't care and like the people who like are true fans or whatever they have been mad about every single pokemon that has come out since like gold and silver so it's like yeah, get yourself right. and maybe just like enjoy something for from time to time. But yeah, no, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think like my like one to ten scale rating would just be like, it's nice. I just think it's <laughs> my, nice. My one to ten scale rating is it's nice. Yeah, it's like I would say like it's it's just like whatever the zone on the like the wheel is, it just lands in the like nice zone. It's not red, it's not green, it's not yellow. It's just like somewhere in there. It's nice. No, I mean, uh, I I can I can I'm glad that Pokemon's doing something new cuz I've always kind of felt like it's been stale for a while, you know? So it's nice to see them do something different, you know? Yeah. Um it's been very stale for a very long time. Which and I know for some people that's like a comfort thing that it's like, oh, this is like nice and cozy, but I've never finished a Pokemon game because I just get tired of it, you know? I just, I don't enjoy the grind of Pokemon usually, so it's, I, I am totally cool with them trying to do something different, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that is kind of like, it's kind of like the thing that Legend of Zelda did where like they, like Breath of the Wild is completely left field from every other Legend of Zelda that has existed so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think like sometimes just if you have a really old franchise, it's like trying something new and sometimes it doesn't work because i know other games have done that halo 5 um but like trying something new is a good thing so you know yeah whatever. right you can you can put some new life in, a, in an existing franchise that way can you though <laughs> no i mean apparently pokemon's doing it and yeah. zelda did it well and right now i was just playing pokemon so i could like have something to relax to but the, really the only thing i actually care about is horizon so once that comes out i probably will never touch pokemon again um, well yeah you know that if, does not surprise me need to see if horizon lives up to my tattoo um, it, yeah if it sucks that's gonna really be miserable for I, you right? um, from all the like reviews and like a bunch of other things like they say that like they i already told you this today but like they added a lot of quality of life things in the game and like it's gameplay wise at least it is a lot better even though i really thought the first one knocked it out of the park so oh yeah i mean i i i enjoyed horizon I, I like, this is a game we agree on yet. yeah but anyways cody what are we doing today uh we are uh reading the first chapters of our latest projects yeah which i mean for you you're like already done because you're an overachiever and also you didn't have kids but you yeah know, for oh, me yeah, this is i think it's actually of my first chapter and more of me being excited about a story and not having kids well yeah yeah i can be excited about things but then you know life gets in the way which yeah, is so, so i mean i think i already said it but i am on chapter 18 of the story I wrote last year, which ended on chapter 10. So I wrote like eight new chapters. I am one okay, more. Okay, I was going to ask. So is that like directly in the, you've written 18 yeah. chapters total or is that 18 chapters of this new thing? No, no, no. 18 chapters total. So it's a continuation. Um, And I pl- plan to finish at like 19 then go back right up like extra little fill in chapter towards the beginning of it and then be done at to- 20 total. 
and then like maybe looking at the publishing editing all that stuff um but we don't have to talk about that i really don't want to talk about that but um well, you brought it up bud so yeah but yeah so i'm gonna be con for my story i'm gonna be continuing my story um today but cody what are you doing because i actually don't know i thought i told you what i was doing no you didn't oh <laughs> you absolutely have not i'm like 90 percent sure i did no you didn't because i thought you said it was one of my better worlds oh no you did tell me Okay, yeah, no, I'm sorry. You know, Jordan, you just never listen to me, and you never care about anything that I say. You ignore Says everything that I say. the guy who literally tries to prove me wrong every time I open my mouth. Um, so, Cody. Yes, yeah, that is me, yeah. Yeah, Cody, you're doing the uh, a story in your suit. And you're in the Indiana Supernatural World, which I find hilarious, because I'm already doing something in, like, my hometown Supernatural World. So, let, let's... <laughs> a little home state. Yes, huh? so this is set in uh, Bolivia, Indiana, which is... Bolivia, spelled yes. Bolivia, but I don't know if anyone's been to Indiana. For some reason, we have a lot of towns with like Central and Southern American names. Don't know why. It's I mean, like, you pronounce them completely wrong, though. Uh, yeah, Valparaiso and Peru are not pronounced correctly. I do not no. believe. Um, I'm I'm guessing Mexico, Indiana. People say Mexico, which I guess is actually not how people from Mexico say no. Mexico. But you <laughs> no know, one says that. Either way. There's a lot of them. I drive past them frequently. <laughs> or like, don't you guys have like Kokomo, Indiana too? We do have Kokomo. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kokomo as well. Kokomo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I thought that song was about Indiana when I was growing up. You're an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know there was another Kokomo. I thought Kokomo was in yeah, Indiana. Yeah, we're talking about like this really nice place to be. And we're talking about Indiana. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't know like, anything oh, about man. Kokomo. Yeah, I, I had a relative it's, there. It's really sunny it? and nice. I like to go down there. Um, yeah, no, we're talking about it's Indiana. It's sunny in Indiana half the year. You know, there's a chunk of like the year where it's very year. sunny and hot. No, it's not a third. <laughs> Your state live. is a trash heap. You know, like climate wise, we're not that dissimilar from you, right? You have winter too. <laughs> yeah, we all have winter. Anyways. Well, no. Every a lot of places state don't. and every country has winter. Well, no, literally, some of them the don't have multiple seasons. <laughs> I, I know, I'm, I'm joking. Um, anyways, Cody, do you want to roll to see who goes first, or do you just want to? Yeah, go I first? mean, otherwise, what is this? Yeah. We, oh yeah. Otherwise, you know. we have to completely change the intro to "Welcome to World Shop." So, anyways, I'm Jordan. This is Cody. It has nothing to do with dice. Uh, well, I don't think I won that one. I rolled an eighteen. I rolled an eight. <laughs> so. Have at you. <laughs> you know, this is the question. Is it better? I feel like it's better to go first, you know? I don't. I like going second, to be quite honest. Because then I don't feel like I'm, like, keeping up with the... Is it keeping up with the Jeffers? Whatever that expression is. I don't know. No, the expression that means trying to, like, compete with your neighbor. Keeping up with the Kardashians, yes. That's not... No, that, I think the show is a play on the I'm expression. I'm pretty sure the expression is... Keeping up. You can't outdo me, me, Jordan, all right? <laughs> never... Alright. Uh did I I think I named the whole book. Hang on. The name might change. I'm gonna check. I mean you're writing a book. Interesting. Interesting is that you're writing a small town like supernatural horror story type thing after I did exactly that for the first ten episodes. I, I just Jordan, I we've done w that like fifteen times. Like that's Actually, like no. three quarters of we, our world shots are small town go, supernatural. But if we even go back to like writing a story, I think the very first one that we like truly wrote a story in would have again been my radio drama, which I wrote a small town supernatural story. So I think you're just copying off of me. Do, do you want me to delete? I could just delete this chapter and quit the podcast. If you I mean, prefer. you can't I mean, quit the podcast, but I don't want. You that's to. what you want. Don't. Um, so I didn't name the book, but this chapter one is called In the Cold, Cold Night, which 
no longer makes sense because this chapter is not set at night, but in my head it was, doesn't matter. The chapter's a misnomer, that's my point. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. I gotta, like, stretch. I haven't read this long in a while. It's, like, five pages straight. I apologize, mine's eight, and that's the other thing about my whole thing is that I'm gonna have to figure out a way to... I'll either have to, like, write something for the show or figure out a way to shorten my chapters because... I specifically started writing it as a thing for the show. So the chapters were all like five to seven pages. And um, so this, I think chapter coming up is the shortest one of the stuff I've written be eight pages and everything else is like 12 to 20 pages. So just read half of the chapter. Yeah. But how do you cut off in a continuous story? You just read half of it. Half of it and, and just leave s- with, up, oh, and then they stopped here, and you were going to have to wait a whole week to find out literally what's happening in the same thought. Well, not in the middle. You stop at, like, a paragraph break. Yeah, you but don't stop. that's what I'm saying. I'm going to have to try to find good breaking points because it's going to be hard because I do write, like, a continuous, like, scene that happens for each chapter. And that's a little bit difficult to just be like, okay, we're done. Closing the book. Anyways. Yeah, you can do this. I wonder if it's worth it as I sit alone at the bar of Roz's diner. It's not like I'm holding out for a retirement to get vested or something. I'm sure that if I quit doing this darn job, the folk around here wouldn't let me starve. It's not like they charge me for the two eggs, bacon, and coffee I get most mornings. Roz just always says the same thing. It's on the house ever since the deal with the rat man. By rat man, Roz means some odd 30 years ago when I nicely informed a kid named Red Distal that just because he could talk to rats doesn't mean he has to have them follow him around everywhere he went. Now, when I say talking to, that might have involved some punching and shouting and some threats or something, but that was years ago now, and Red looks just like me at this point. Another old man with white hair and a wrinkled old face. I rub my hands together. They whisper like sandpaper from the dry cold outside. They are freezing, and I have an odd feeling that I've watched these hands age in front of me while I sat here in the same place at the same diner for a lifetime. A lifetime protecting people, protecting this town, but I can't do that forever. I know that. I know that this has to come to an end soon. I open and close my hands. They feel just as stiff and tired as I did this morning. The cold winter mornings always make me weary, body and mind. Here's your coffee, hon. I start and look up. I've been all wrapped up in my own head. Um, <laughs> I've been all wrapped up in my, in my own head about my darn old hands of all things. Morning, Roz. Thanks, as always. The woman in front of me um, hasn't changed from when I first met her. God, it must have been 40 years ago. Neither has the diner. She's a big woman, tall and broad. Some ignorant people might call her fat, but... In reality, this woman is as tough as a bull. I have seen her stare down or toss out some of the baddest men I've ever known. But when I first met her, I thought she was just an old lady with a complicated, clearly dyed updo, makeup nearing a clown, and a voice that sounded like two packs a day. But I meant what I said. She really has never aged. And never, and I've never had a reason to question her on that. So now, here I sit, making her look young. The diner is what some might call a dive, or others might say is authentic, but in reality is a derelict old metal-sided barn that Roz moved into. Over the years, she's made it a cozy place, in that kind of cheap way that makes you feel like you're never going to break nothing. The tables are wood under about a hundred layers of polyurethane. They wipe clean like plastic. The seats are vinyl and broken in. You can see right into the kitchen where Roz's husband, Nick, hasn't gotten any better at cooking in the 40 years that I've been coming here. But it's comfortable knowing that the eggs will be a bit overcooked and the bacon rubbery. 
I made a fresh pot, honey. I heard you had a big day today. She poured the coffee, leaning heavily on the counter, bringing her made-up face close to mine. Heard you're chasing something new. Heard it's something like you've never seen here before. I heard that you might have... Roz, I don't know what I'm chasing yet, but it's always the same thing. Something gets drugged here because that's what this place does, and one of three things happens. Either we give it a home, we show it the door, or we have to put a monster down. This is just another new arrival. Well, I heard... Mm, sorry, new voice. I heard that it ripped the roof clear off of old Barlow's farm. Little Jimmy Barlow was making pipe bombs and knocked off a few shingles, Red. Well? Well? Sorry, wrong voice. Well, that little Jimmy Barlow didn't kill half our cattle or cause the grain stores to take on rot, Leonard. That boy might be a troublemaker, but... Sorry? I just had a weird page break. <laughs> sorry. Two seconds. Sorry. Well, that little Jimmy Barlow didn't kill half our cattle or cause the grain stores to take on rot, Leonard. The boy's just a troublemaker, not a monster. Reb piped up from his booth. I gritted my teeth. He was always telling stories and making mountains out of molehills, and it drove me nuts. The grain probably just rotted because people let water get to it or something. Shoot, Leonard, you'd call a hellhound chewing off your foot a puppy that just needs a licking. Red, let me alone or I'll start arresting rats again. Darn legal misuse of authority trapping rats. Never hurt nobody. It's free country, ain't it? Just talking. Red mumbled as he slumped back into his seat. Look, honey, I don't mean to gossip. Uh, she did, and everyone else knew it. But, you know, they say... The whole of the Combs family is dead, and that the whole farm is empty, and I know you think they might have just left, but Leonard, she puts a soft, warm hand over mine, the Combs weren't just normal folk. If something did kill them, it was something bad. It's always something bad, but we'll sort it out, and it won't be near as scary as everyone says it is. My breakfast arrived. I noticed I had an extra egg and twice the usual amount of bacon. God, you would think this woman was feeding me my last meal. The rub was she wasn't exactly wrong. I had talked to horrible things before and killed worse than horrible things before that. But not while I was this tired, and not while my hands were getting slow. I wasn't scared of dying fighting something. Exhaustion weighed far heavier on me than the fear. But this town was in bad shape before I arrived. And it takes a certain type of person to not just kill everything before figuring out if it's a friend that just might need a talking to in a home. I finished up my food and started patting my pockets looking for a wallet, which I ain't carried in 20 years. Roz bustles over and rolls her eyes. Stop pretending like anyone charges you for anything around here, Leonard, and just get out. I grinned sheepishly. After all these years, it still feels wrong to not even tip. But all the same, I pull out my well-worn black Carhartt and put on my cowboy hat. The, ba the black felt washed out to gray, but the etched silver pin of a moon and tree still glitters on the thin leather band, handmade right here by a Polish fellow that moved in not long ago. Not sure what brought him here, but he seems like he never eats and also is not able to die. Either way, it was a nice gift he gave me after that time I helped him cut down a tree that was about to fall in his barn. Tracking a new, arri tracking a new arrival in Bolivia is harder than it might seem. The first thing is everyone assumes that you're going to kill him. No matter if it's a drifter that blows in and doesn't leave quickly, or someone just looking for work, or some werepire or underworld fae, 
Every time I meet something new, it's like they think I'm the Grim Reaper Dunn showed up to drag them off. I slide into my pickup and think on it for a bit, deciding where to start. If I'm not careful, I might just cause a panic or get stonewalled. Red might be a darn fool, but he was not wrong. The Barlows were having troubles, and it was not just little Jimmy blowing holes in the roof. They had cattle killed, and I had already talked uh, with all of the town wolf people about paying before they killed the farmer's cattle. I didn't think it was them anymore. And, well, little Jimmy might be an idiot, but he swears you saw a giant zombie bear carrying off cows. Now, I told him that there's no bears in Indiana, and that the only zombies we got are currently on vacation in the UP. Either way, I put my truck into drive and slip-slide my way out of town. The town was buried in snow. Plow trucks were doing their best to keep the roads um, from getting too covered, but underneath the snow was ice, and the ghosts hate it when we put salt down on the roads. The cold might sink all the way down into my bones, making me making that ever-present weariness all the harder to bear. But Bolivia was beautiful in the winter. The heavy blanket of snow, clean and shining, um, clean and shining with the sun above. Weedy lawns and decaying houses looked like Christmas cards when all their flaws were hidden. A town of freaks, monsters, and outcasts all hidden beneath the snow. Might look nice, but what was un- but underneath was a town scared of its own shadow. I wish I could say that all us misfits got along. Some do, but it seems more and more that most don't. Then there's me just trying to hold all the pieces together. As I pull up to the Barlow's farm, I know something was wrong already. Old Jim Barlow and little Jimmy are skulking outside the barn. Not really working, just standing there and looking tense. They're both carrying shotguns. Not that that's all that odd, but why are they carrying shotguns just to check on the cattle? I let out a long sigh as my truck backfires when I turn off the key. Both the Barlows start flapping their arms at me in a panic, thinking that I couldn't see them through my window. I grab my little twenty-two out of the window and trench my way through the snow over to them. Morning, fellows. How we doing? It's bad, Leonard. Leonard, it's really bad. It got into the livestock and it it was it was a bear, Mr. Leonard. Just like I said, a zombie bear man. It had them laser eyes like from the comic and Jimmy. Why don't you go inside and get Leonard some coffee? But Dad, it had laser eyes, and it was taller than the barn, and Jimmy, I mean now. Now get. Jimmy looked abashed and shuffled his way towards the house. Old Jim breaks his stern dad character once the boy is out of sight. Don't know about a a huge zombie bear, but it's not just a werewolf, Leonard. I, I wish the boy hadn't seen. We're a dairy farm, you know, and the girls we got here are like family. Well... Old Jim looks like he might cry. I just don't want little Jimmy going and getting him going and getting in trouble thinking he's a hero or something. Well, why don't you just let me take a look? Is Jesse okay? Oh yeah, she's fine. Whatever broke in didn't want horse. It was only after cows. I feel relief. My horse was living in old Jim's barn for the winter. Another favor for another job. The Barlow barn was a thing of beauty. Heated floors, insulated, electric run out to it and everything. Hot running water too. But when I walked in, the coppery smell of blood about gagged me. Blood had been sprayed on the walls, splattered across the floor, chunks of organ and muscle and bones scattered like broken glass. I'm no stranger to the slaughter of livestock for food. That is one thing. It's done quickly and cleanly. It's brutal and a hard thing to watch, but this was something else. Looked like the cows had been smashed with a hammer and splashed on the walls, floor, and ceiling. I felt a numb clarity as I paced through the blood over to my horse, buckled on her saddle, swung up onto her back, and rode out of the barn. Old Jim and little Jimmy stood with blank faces as I rode out following a ruby path through the snow. 
The trail was easy to see and, of course, led towards the forest. Seems like most things came from there. I slid off Jesse's back and sunk about a foot into the snow. The forest was dead quiet. All sounds muffled. A clean, perfect white sheet, except for where a trail of bright red blood uh, led disappearing into the trees. I moved slow and quiet, trying to muffle each step. My fingers ached against the cold blue steel of my rifle, but I held it firmly in my hands, stock tight to my shoulder, muzzle down, as I inched into the skeletal trees, naked of leaves and weighed heavy with fallen snow. The trail ended with something I did not expect. A woman kneeling on the ground, reloading a break-action slug gun, her eyes trained on a still-bleeding creature that lay dying in front of her. With my stomach sinking, I realized that Roz was right. This was definitely something new, and something I was not ready for. Whatever this creature was, it was covered all over in pale, sickly thin fur. Its legs backbent like a goat, and what was left of its head seemed to be almost human, but elongated and wolfish with spiraling horns. Now, all that was fine... But what got me was that the body had been split apart and extended um, and extended with metal, the legs and arms broken and grafted onto some kind of metal exoskeleton. Aside from the blood pouring out of the beast, there was also a toxic, sweet smell as a thick golden liquid leaked from whatever machinery made it move. Miss, I'm a, I'm a friend. Lower the gun and let's get. This thing might not be alone. She jumped and swung her gun around and leveled it at me. She didn't fire, but she didn't move. I... But she didn't move either, just kneeled there, totally still, calm rage on her face. I'm Leonard, miss. I'm gonna get you out of here, but we need to be quick and quiet. Just lower the gun and fuck you, old man! And that is the end of chapter Ooh, one. I like that. <clears throat> no, no, I like Sorry that. there was that part where, like, one of the lines just, like, page broke yeah. over, like, a page. And I was, like, scrolling up and I lost my place and I was like, what the frick does this sentence you literally, say? You literally just, I mean, I'm going to edit this out so no one's really going to know what you're talking about, but you literally just stopped and like stared at your computer for a solid minute without saying anything. Yeah, like, I was just like, I, I was like reading the sentence and then it like split and the punctuation was weird and I was just like, what? Yeah. What yeah. happened? What does this sentence say? You, you, you literally it's look the like problem. you broke. It's like, if I don't trust myself because I write badly and I, like, start questioning a sentence halfway through it and then I, like, lose what the sentence said and then I read the whole thing and it actually was a good sentence and I'm like, oh, I should have just read it as it was written, but I assumed I was dumb and re was, like, changing the wording on the fly. Yeah. Anyways. No, no, I I, I liked it and I like where you're going with that. Anyways. This is, like, a redo of the the world. The old man rather than, like, because you had so in your th- story that you had told well not story but your world that you told before it was like i think a woman who like ended up in this town and leonard was the man helping her out so it is similar so he finds a woman kneeling in the snow after she had just killed that monster which is how the oh. old Bol- bolivia bolivia started okay. um it's just it was told from her perspective not his uh, my structurally it's going to bounce between the two characters. Ooh, like so there's yeah, going to be two point of view characters, Leonard and this woman. Who she more. is, is very different. So like yeah, the story can, starts the same and then radically diverges. It's totally different. Yeah, I can, I can um, tell she's a lot different from what you had planned before. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's a <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having fun she's with who she is. <laughs> no, she's not. Oh. <laughs> she's a new arrival. Okay. No, no, no. It's um. Yeah, no, I, I like where you're going with it. I like that you do like the almost like Mayberry esque town, um, very well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like a cozy little town of all these monsters that are all kind of scared of each other because they're all like werewolves and yeah. vampires and, and rat like creatures of the night. And yeah, people that can talk to rats. Um, but like, I don't know if you like live in a small town long enough. It's like all these people act like they hate each other, but then they're all like, yeah, they're, they still they're, all show up to help out, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, they're best buds. It's it's just grumpy old men, basically, the the story, except for, you know, the other main character that's, you know, not be a, a little grumpy bit fish out of water. Or an old or a man. No. Well, there's like who she is remains to be seen. She's a new arrival for some reason. Dun, dun, dun. No, no, no. I, I mean, look, I do complain about your stories when they turn out to be similar to what I am, but I'm glad that it's not like the same type of feel as what we're doing it's not gonna be remotely yeah, the same yeah my, no. mine, mine's more of like men in black gone wrong yours is more of yeah like it's a, this is yours is more of um andy griffith if there was monsters yeah andy griffith if he was the andy griffith for mon for monsters yeah. and also wasn't actually the sheriff of the town yeah, i mean but yeah, but yeah up still, the job. he's still a very andy griffith character where he's kind of like the guy who keeps it all together like everybody goes yeah. and talks to you for like advice and stuff like it, it's I, I don't mean to just like straight up compare it to Andy Griffith, but it's a very Mayberry. No, it's supposed scenario. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like the fun thing about like Andy Griffith is he's like the sheriff, but it's like, it feels like half the time he's not really being the sheriff no, and it's just, just like, I need someone to come help me like put up a fence. Like, all right. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. And I, and I like that kind of tone that you take with it is this like very lighthearted, like, um, the Andy Griffith Show, starring Andy Griffith type of thing that you do. Yeah, my my favorite line is that this kid's like, there's a zombie bear, and he's like, there's no bears in Indiana, and the only zombies are on yeah, vacation. Yeah, right. Like, that's completely missing the point. Well, also, like, like, it, like, kind of like that thing like where they do, where it's like all the monsters are like kind of just like, they, they just exist in this, it's like... I don't even mean to evoke this name, but it's kind of like a Hotel Transylvania type of thing. Oh, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, they're all friends. They all know each other. It's like, oh, the monsters are like normal beings rather than like these spooky Some of them are. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what like the the character was saying is that like part of what he does is be a person who doesn't immediately jump to violence, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, oh, something new and scary moves into town. He's like, well, let's go give him a cup of coffee. Yeah. And ask them to stop eating children because that doesn't work yeah, for us. It's very much different from how I write my stuff. But um, and also like, th- have you read Stagtown? Because your monster kind of reminds me of Stagtown. So I started Stagtown okay. and I did not finish Stagtown, but it is not dissimilar from Stagtown. Okay, yeah, your your, your monster very much reminded me of the monsters. In I Stagtown. I told you that my like what my one line um. Did I send that on the World Shop thing, no, or did I send I that on... Just freaking tell me. Stop. It doesn't matter where you send it. Just tell me. No, I said my one-line, um, like, teaser for my story is, uh, Cyberpunk Goats. Cyberpunk Goats. <laughs> where did I send that to I you? I don't know. I don't think you did. I definitely did. Anyways, it, does, it doesn't matter where you sent it to me. I like your story so far. We need to start branching out and not just doing supernatural stories. I don't have any problem like, with this. I, I have stories. like a plan for a short story that I might that I've been wanting to write. It's a very depressing short short story that has nothing to do with the worlds or stuff. It's like a, a personal slice of life type thing that I want to write. 
Um, and then there's another thing that I want to write, but I also want to give it more of time of the day like I am this current story. So that'll have to be my next story afterwards where like today we were someone posted this thing about like this girl with this like like rare disorder where she feels no pain hunger and um and like doesn't like feel the need to sleep and i wanted to like write like a superhero's or supervillain origin story is like you follow the story of this like kid growing up and like basically like the whole desire is like oh is this person gonna grow up as a supervillain or is this person gonna grow up as a superhero type of thing and I, I i wanted to write that kind of idea because like that's kind of that's good school yeah it's like because like that type of person would like be so disassociated with society because like you're missing all the normal things a human has and like so is would that lead to like oh well i want to use this to help save people or oh i'm so disassociated by society that i hate the people around me type thing and i, I just thought of a story but that that would be something that would be like a long form like novel rather than a um than a short story but i might i might yeah, dwell no, into that mean. like in like a few weeks like like just like write a chapter of that see what goes on with it but anyways um yeah are, are you good so i guess i mean this is gonna be a long episode because my like i said i wrote too much um so the first part of my story was kind of like the intro thing where you have this guy named and like i'll recap really quick you have this guy named danny who comes back to his hometown gets attacked by a doppelganger which turns out to be like part of like all the anomalies that happen in this one specific area of ohio and then he kind of joins this like investigation crew that goes around stopping other anomalies etc etc so the first like 10 chapters kind of were what i want to call like a solid story arc which was the quote-unquote wish arc where the anomalies in that arc those two major ones were um wishes or like the um physical manifestation manifestation of someone's like strong desire to have something so like in the doppelganger arc it was his parents strong desire to have the perfect son and then the death butterflies arc it was the doctor's strong desire to um be able to help his patients or put them out of this misery so it turns into these butterflies that like cause people to commit suicide type thing so that whole thing deals with um wishes this second part so the second story arc it's going to be much longer than the other one and like where i cut this off at in my head as book one isn't even going to be the end of the second arc it's just it's actually going to be the middle so um the second arc is what i'm calling the hero arc or heroic arc um and it's going to be pretty much focusing more on anomalies that are like present themselves as like a singular villain type of thing or singular obstacle rather than be like a, more of a wish type thing and it's going to deal with the the main character's like idea of like why he wanted to join um the whole no name thing and why he wanted to like fight anomalies because he's like part of him wanted to be a hero so it's going to like dive into what it means to be a hero why he's doing this what it means to face your fears and take these things heads on what it means to fail and to mess up like a job and to have things go wrong but still want to and desire to help other people so it's gonna like so one was the wish and he like kind of the intro of it and getting to know nate and him and the other one's gonna focus more on this idea of a hero type thing and like it's still gonna like have like stuff about like weird family dynamics and um focus on like um gender identity and stuff like that's kind of like how i talked about in the other one but that's that so that's still gonna be a part but like basically the idea of like what it means to be like do good 
is going to be like the focus of this part. Um, so I'll kind of get into it again because each of my chapters is like a singular idea. It's going to be harder to cut them down, but I do want to like tell this story over the course of the show. However, I have to break it up if it means I have to take the chapters and like condense them to read them on the air. But this is all going to be part of this like book novel that I want to write and publish. So without any further ado, Oh, and the other thing I have to say about it is this um, actually comes directly to where I was writing before. Um, so, like, where I ended it at the end of the, like, Death Butterflies um, story arc was that, like, they get in this car and they're going to go rob a thing. And I actually took that out of that last chapter. I'm going to finish the ending of that chapter. And then I'm and I start this chapter with where that, like, ended. So I'm going to okay. – it's going to be, like, a very quick recap of, like – the very end of that so you're going to probably hear some stuff you've already heard before but this is the um start of the next arc chapter 11 um the bank heist okay a few months had passed since the marion hospital incident nate and i have been in charge of hunting down smaller anomalies but a week or so ago our handler eli had given us a new mission this time i found myself sitting in the passenger side of nate's jeep across from the westonville old city bank Nate was fiddling with some supplies, and I was mentally trying to prepare myself for what we were about to do. Okay, okay, just one more time. Tell me why we're here again, I said, flustered. You read the briefing, but fine, I'll go through it again, Nate said without looking up. They had just finished putting rubber rounds into an ammo belt and strapped it around their waist. Turns out some dude happened to get a hold of a mystic sword anomaly, and now he basically has superpowers that let him control the wind. Yeah, I got that. But what's so wrong with that? We're on the street is he's helping clean up some crime, I said. Nate casually reached into the back of the jeep and pulled out a shotgun. They began loading it with more rubber rounds. Across the dashboard was more ammo, a preloaded pistol, and a couple of ski masks. Well, the loser let things go to his head, and now he thinks he's some kind of god. He has been stopping crime, sure, but instead of being like the superheroes from your comic books, he's been murdering all the criminals to stop them. Even the pettiest of criminals, like old purse snatcher Nick, God rest his soul, Nate said doing a Catholic cross. Yeah, that makes sense and all, but why are we about to rob a bank? I yelled. The area around us was pretty empty and no civilians seemed to be around. It helped that Alistair had already contacted the administrator of the bank to tell him it was, quote, just a drill. I was clear to yell, and I felt that yelling would help get across my point. Well, if this dude wants to play superhero, then we get to be his supervillains, Nate said calmly with a purely sinister smile. Plus, this is where the censors have tracked the sword repeatedly. I'm guessing he works here. I bet he's one of those who thinks his life is so boring he became a vigilante. Well, I'm ready to put some fire into his life, Nate said excitedly. They were almost too enthusiastic for this mission. Aren't we just setting ourselves up to be murdered by a dude with a magic sword? I said back, my fear equal to Nate's excitement. Their smile grew, e their smile grew ever bigger as they put down the rubber rounds and lifted up the shotgun. Come on, we have enough guns and rubber rounds to conquer a small island country. Plus, they said, cocking the shotgun with one hand, I've been practicing this all week. Fine. I grabbed a sidearm from the dashboard and reached back to get a rifle. I tucked the sidearm into my belt and examined the rifle. Custom made by No Name in order to bring down aggressive targets without being lethal. 
They looked, felt, and shot like real firearms, but with a quarter of the power. I had done some training, but after being forced to confront Dr. Merritt with a gun, I wasn't too comfortable using this kind of force regardless of who was on the other side of the sights. Despite that, I knew that in the long run it was necessary. A man with a magic sword probably wouldn't go too easily. I had to question myself, were we seriously about to do this? Yes, of course we could apprehend the swordsman without killing him, but weren't we doing way more harm than help? There were people in that bank. The guy had a sword. And wouldn't there be the potential for a lot of collateral damage? Nate grabbed a ski mask from the dashboard and pulled it down over their face. They smiled big for me again through the opening in the mask. Hey, look, we never get to cut loose like this. It'll be fun. I wouldn't want to be anywhere but here with you right now, Nate said in a joking tone. That's because you get to shoot up a place and get paid to do it, I said back bitterly, pulling a mask over my face as well. I was very unsure about all of this, but then again, Nate was the pro. I will follow their lead and hope in the pit of my stomach that they knew what they were doing. I grabbed the rifle and opened the door of the car. Nate was already ahead of me, shotgun resting on their shoulder, so I sped walked to keep up. We crossed the empty street, guns blazing. There was very little security because the bank was less for the... For the public and more for the old rich that still lived in Westonville to put their deposit boxes. Sure, you could come and bank here, but it would cost you. The building was very showy with an overhang held up by two stone columns and decorative stone patterns embedded in the red brick around the two large windows. From the crystal clear windows, I could see everything inside. The inside mirrored the over-the-top decorative appearance of the outside and had a large lofted ceiling painted with blue clouds and angels like a wannabe Sistine Chapel. There were decorative gold inlays around the main lobby and in the back there was a large open steel vault door with gears and locking cylinders that bordered its circumference. The vault door probably didn't do anything other than look intimidating. The place was a sign of status, one that expected reverence for anyone who walked past it though because of its lofty appearance it was extremely vulnerable no bars on the window i didn't even think there was a security camera i was surprised that no one ever just threw a brick through the window and looted it though that was part of living in a small town everyone blindly trusted the inherent good nature of the small town citizen upon walking up i noticed that the bank was a little bit more crowded than i expected probably close to 10 or so people standing in a line and about five workers behind the front counter. Most of the people were probably mid-40s or older, but a few of the staff members looked a bit younger. Preemptively judging the crowd, I felt we would see very little resistance. Well, except the guy trying to kill us with a magic sword. When we reached the large wooden double doors of the front entrance, I stood back against the stone wall out of sight from the windows. I'm ready whenever you are, I said with a sigh. It felt as if I was preparing for an explosive breach. Perfect, Nate said cheerily with a sinister smile while they stood in front of the wooden double doors. They took a small step back and provided the explosion by driving a powerful front kick into the doors, sending them flying open. I rounded the corner, lifting my rifle to shoulder level, pointing it at no one in particular, but using it to provide fear and intimidation. Nate casually strolled in after their unnecessary kick at unlocked doors. With our entrance, everyone was turned to face us, looks of fear potent across their faces. We had evoked pure terror within this bougie Midwestern bank. 
Nate lifted their shotgun, pointing it at the central teller and screamed, Okay, motherfuckers, nobody move. This is our bank now. Some people put their hands up while others looked around confused as to what to do, waiting for someone to give them word on how they should react. Nate stepped forward and planted their feet. Hands in the air, step away from all desk encounters and move to the back wall, Nate yelled in a demanding voice. If you are confused as to where to go, my partner will show you the way. They motioned towards me, and with the rifle, I began to usher people towards the back of the lobby. I kept the safety on and my finger off the trigger. There was no need for added chaos. It was smart on Nate to move everyone towards the outside just in case of a potential fight. I wanted to believe they were doing it for the safety of everyone in the bank rather than a hasty decision. A fight with a magic sword put everyone in this room in danger. An old lady with a cane was clutching her purse and trembling with tears in her eyes. I had grown up reading comic books, the types that were filled with heroes stopping bank heists. The heists were always shown in a spectacular way, but you never saw the effect, of, effect that this type of thing had on the civilians involved. Here, they were afraid. Regardless of seemingly taking the time to protect everyone, we were their supervillains. My stomach was in knots. I felt terrible about doing this. Job or not, I was still hurting innocent people. I realized I had zoned out while Nate was still yelling instructions, hemming it up for the crowd like a stage actor on opening night. Upon their instructions, I guided everyone to the back of the room and had them line up against the wall, sit down with their knees to their chest, and put their hands over their heads like a pseudo-tornado drill. It seemed like the safest thing for them. Ma'am, I said to the trembling old lady as another patron helped her to the ground, it's going to be all right. No one is going to get hurt. We will be in and out. It's going to be all right. I tried to comfort her to lessen the blow of our mission-based attack, but her fear did not subside. Hey, are you fucking deaf? I heard Nate yell. I spun around to see them pointing their shotgun threateningly at the teller who was standing at the central station. The central teller was a young man, probably mid-20s, early 30s. He stood there behind the counter with his head down so his thin black hair fell over his eyes. Despite his face being obscured, I could see that he was gritting his teeth. His fists were clenched and he was trembling, the sweat beginning to pull under his white collar. Don't be a hero, Nate said smugly. It's better to give up rather than watch someone you know die in front of your eyes. The teller didn't budge. He kept his head down. I could tell he was contemplating making a move. Was this our guy? Heroes only exist in comic books and movies, and those guys never care about collateral damage. Innocent people always end up dying through heroic deeds. Those heroes you read about are fakes. A real hero wouldn't know when he's outmatched. So do yourself a favor, and everyone in here a favor, and line up against the wall like I said, Nate taunted. You're wrong! The teller yelled, his voice cracking. He spun around to run towards the desk in the back with a large black canvas bag on it. I stepped towards Nate with my hand out, as if that would stop either of them. I was more worried about the teller getting a rubber bullet in the back than I was afraid of an alarm being pulled. Nate fired off a shot without hesitation. It was clearly a warning shot as the rubber bullet hit the ceiling trim and ricocheted towards the front counter. I knew them long enough to know that Nate never missed. It was good to know they weren't planning to shoot the man in the back. The teller grabbed the bag and spun back around. It's not that I didn't know what was happening. I just couldn't believe it, even after all the other anomalies. It all happened at once. I merely got a glimpse of the silver and gold decorative sheath before I was hit with a large gust of wind. 
Nate somehow sidestepped the attack, but I felt my body lift off the ground before I was sent spinning head over heels through the air. The world around me was a great blur of my flailing limbs until wham! I slammed back first into the lobby wall and then fell to the ground, barely catching myself on my knees. I somehow held onto the rifle until I had dropped on all fours. It clattered to the ground and slid a foot or two in front of me. The world around me was still spinning and my ears were ringing. I was winded and everything in my body screamed out in pain. It took me a moment to catch my breath and then I looked up towards the bank teller who was now wielding the anomaly. The teller was now floating in the air, holding the glowing silver sword above his head like He-Man. Wind seemingly from nowhere whipped around him, blowing his pressed black suit and tie around rapidly. He glared down at Nate with an intense look that could burn holes through titanium. Surrender, evildoers! The sword wielder said in an, in an admittedly nerdy voice. Ha! And why should we? Nate said back. Because I am! The sword wielder thrust the blade further into the air and the wind spun around him so rapidly it ripped his clothes to shreds, revealing a blue and white spandex costume with a tornado on his chest. The Windmaster! He finished saying with pride. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having too much fun. No, it's fine. I just feel attacked. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Nate burst out laughing, almost doubling over. Is that seriously the best you could come up with? Nate said between laughs. Okay there, mighty Windmaster. If you get to play hero, then I get to be your villain. Nate pulled off. Nate pulled off. Oh my god. I just miss fucking words sometimes. Nate pulled off the ski mask and threw it to the side, revealing the excited look of a kid in a candy store. This angered the Windmaster, and he made a quick horizontal slashing moment with his sword. The powerful blast of air came off the sword, compressing into an anime-esque slash. Nate leaped out of the way, hit the ground, and rolled back up to their feet, setting the shotgun at waist level. The slash of air hit the wall right above the bank patrons' heads with force, cutting a large gash into the brick wall. Some of the patrons let out a scream as they huddled down closer to the ground. They knew they were in danger from the beginning, but now the hero poser was making things worse. Shit, I said to myself as I tried to stand back up. It was a struggle. My body was wasted. My body was still waving back and forth from when I had been tossed like a ragdoll. Nate quickly fired off a shot which got caught in the air, whipping around the Windmaster and tossed to the side. This didn't bother Nate at all as they quickly sidestepped to the left and fired another shot. They began circling their attacker and bouncing sidesteps, their short sandy hair blowing around their beaming face. I couldn't tell if Nate was taking this seriously or not, but from the looks of it, they were having fun. Holy shit there, Mr. Hero! You almost just killed the people you were trying to protect! What kind of hero are you? Nate said smugly as they continued to sidestep. Silence, fool! You know nothing of heroism! The Windmaster said, floating over the front counter and towards the center of the lobby. He threw a vertical wind slash at Nate, which they easily dodged and fired another shot. Again, the wave of air cut into the wall, just barely missing bystanders. Everyone was huddled down, trembling, and some were even saying prayers. I know enough from listening to my nerd partner blab on and on about comic books, Nate said, gritting their teeth. It's always blah, blah, blah. A hero saves, a hero protects, a hero inspires hope. Sorry, a hero inspires hope to those around them. But the only thing I see in this room is fear. Nate threw back their hands towards the patrons. Look at them. They're terrified, and not just of me. They are terrified of you too, buddy. 
The Windmaster thrusts his sword towards Nate, creating a drill-like motion in the air that spun that Nate spun away from. This air attack barely missed them and dug into the wall with force. That's when I noticed something, and I think Nate noticed it too. When the Windmaster made an attack, the wind around him stopped swirling enough to get a shot off at him. It was only for a split second, but it was good enough for me. I didn't know if Nate would have enough time after dodging to get a shot in. I had to stand up and join the fight. I had to help distract long enough so that Nate could stop this maniac. I pushed down the nausea and the pain and stood up using all of my might. The room was spinning rapidly. It took everything I had to steady myself. I pulled out my sidearm and continued to maintain balance as Nate continued their battle with the Windmaster. You can continue gallivanting about in your blue spandex, killing those you believe to be the scum of the earth, but that doesn't make you a hero. It just makes you a murderer, Nate yelled at the Windmaster. I began to circle behind the Windmaster, hoping to flank him without being noticed, but he caught a glimpse of me out of the corner of his eye and quickly turned towards me. Fortunately, Nate didn't skip a beat and blasted another rubber bullet towards the swirling air that surrounded their opponent. Without a second thought, the Windmaster made another slash towards Nate, which they quickly dodged again, yelling, Missed me again! This was a deadly waltz that Nate seemed to be in control of. They were evil! Evil must be punished! They deserve to die! The Windmaster said, with his voice cracking in frustration. I continued to circle behind him to position him between Nate and I. It would be his choice of who to react to. I agree, it's time to punish evil, I yelled and then took action. My aim wasn't as near as good as Nate's. I all but fired blindly towards the Windmaster, unloading my clip as the rubber bullets twisted in the wind and flew off in every which direction. My gun finally clicked, designating that I was still that I was out of that I was all out of rubber bullets as the Windmaster turned towards me with a sinister smile on his face. He stopped floating, slowly land, landing on the ground as the air around him stopped swirling. With that, he thrust both the sword and his empty hand towards me. And now you will be punished by my divine wind, he said in a nerdy voice. I felt the air around me begin to spin harshly, and it became hard to breathe or even move. Nate took the opportunity to close the gap between them and the Windmaster with no wind impeding their movement. They brought the shotgun up and fired a rubber bullet into the man's shoulder, yelling, Not so fast! The bullet hit the Windmaster's shoulder with a loud crack, breaking his stance and causing him to stumble forward. He lost his grip on the magic sword, sending it clattering to the ground, and I felt the air around me return to normal. I couldn't let this opportunity to end I couldn't let the opportunity to end this pass me up. I dropped my sidearm and rushed the man, forming my hand into a fist. I pulled my arm back and brought it forward into the hardest punch I had ever thrown, connecting solidly with the man's face with a loud thwap. Immediately, a sharp burning pain sent a shockwave through my fist, causing fist and wrist causing me to draw back yelling, "Ow!" The man fell backwards, landing on his back, gripping his wounded shoulder. He tried to roll back to his feet, but Nate stepped firmly on his chest and pointed their shotgun in his face. That's enough of this nonsense. Don't move unless you want to get splattered, they said quietly to the man. These may be custom made to shoot rubber bullets, but from this range, they're still pretty lethal. Okay, okay, I give up, the man said, struggling against Nate's foot. The air of self-righteousness and power left his voice, and he began to whimper like a hurt animal. Nate turned to me and said, Go get that sword before things get weird again. I complied, rubbing my stinging knuckles. 
Nate kept the gun trained on the wind, the wind nerd with their right hand and dug in their pocket with their left. After a second, they pulled out a wallet with a large badge on the front of it. FBI, they yelled authoritatively. I am Agent Benton and this is my partner, Agent Victory. Everything is under control. I rolled my eyes as I stood over the sword, making sure no one came near it. Are we really going with that cover this time? I muttered under my breath. I could almost feel Nate winking at me from behind. I pulled off my ski mask as there was no reason to keep my face hidden anymore and looked at the crowd of onlookers. It's okay to move about now. Just be careful of the debris, I said. Don't worry, this is all a planned operation in conjunction with your administration in order to bring down the killer vigilante. After setting our lie, I shot a text to our handler, Eli, and the no-name team, letting them know everything was wrapped up and to send in support. Of course, I let them know that we told the crowd we were FBI, so we'd all be on the same page when they arrived. The no-name crew was especially good at making everything look authentic. Nate cuffed our suspect's hands together, careful, being careful of his clearly broken shoulder. His name was Logan Michaels, and Nate was right about him. He was just another guy who got bored of bored with his routine life and wanted to become a hero. Of course, in trying to be a hero, he lost himself to the power and became the type of self-righteous villain he claimed to hate the most. It was a typical story of a god complex in a small town. I collected the sword, sheathed it, and handed it over to Nate, who was staying guard over Logan. Then I turned my attention to the rest of the bank crowd. They were startled and looking around with bewilderment which was understandable as they had clearly just witnessed the most wild thing the average person would have ever seen. Most of them were still shaking with fear, but things seemed to be more at ease since the immediate danger had stopped. It was like magic, and seconds flat I had gone from their villain to their savior. The old lady from before was looking towards me with tearful eyes, whispering, Thank you, thank you, under her breath. Within a few minutes, a no-name cleanup crew showed up in a black van all wearing FBI gear. They started taking statements and answering questions like it was natural. Logan Michaels was snatched up and put in the back of an emergency vehicle where he was most likely taken to the no-name private hospital to have his shoulder fixed up before being held to await his sentencing. With multiple murders and the numerous cases of assault as part of his takedown, he was probably going to be put away for a while. I followed Nate in the others lead when telling the story i noticed that our handler eli wasn't around probably because he was working with alistair to spin the proper story to the media stolen experimental government weapon was what we were going with this time i thought it was too over the top and sci-fi like but nate seemed to be fine with it they seemed to believe that it was a story that was so crazy most people outside of the incident wouldn't believe it of course, Eli and the cleanup crew would have the media give the bare minimum of details and enough incentive for the witness to keep to keep quiet. The only basement dwellers, sorry, only basement dwellers and conspiracy theorists would believe in a sword that controlled the wind. It was easier to keep these kinds of things as myths and legends rather than cause widespread panic with the knowledge that all of your monsters that go bump in the night are real. We saved the day, but I couldn't help but feel like we caused more harm than help. Despite getting a few thank yous and words of praise from some of the witnesses I helped, I couldn't shake the thought that we truly messed up here. I started this job with the naive thought that I could be some type of hero, but one in the long run was a hero. Logan Michaels thought by using the powers to snuff out those who harmed others, he was a hero. Would thinking I was some type of hero make me the same as him? 
I did throw myself into harm's way to save others, but that harmful situation was something I helped cause. I think we were lucky that no one got hurt. Towards the end of the day, the crime scene was mostly packed up, and most of the eyewitnesses were on their way home. I had left Nate to do most of the explaining and hard work. Spending most of the aftermath time running around like a chicken with their head cut off, they took a deep breath and walked towards me. The lobby was mostly empty, save a few of the no-name cleanup agents. Nate and I had been given FBI jackets upon the other's arrival, so we could continue to support our lie. As Nate approached me, they held up their hands and spun around to show off their jacket. Look how great this fits! We look so professional now, they said triumphantly. Yeah, I guess, I responded with a sigh. Oh, come on, why so down? We solved another case. A victory for victory, Nate said, poking me in the shoulder playfully. I held up my hand to stop their poking assault. I ended up getting it bandaged when the emergency vehicles were around. They said I probably jammed my wrist with that punch and to just ice it a little bit to keep the swelling down. Doesn't really feel like a victory, you know? I said back to Nate. Yeah, we really need to get you self-defense classes or maybe some boxing. You shouldn't break your wrist with every punch. That's not quite what I mean. I don't think we really did a good job here. Oh, come on. We took down a literal supervillain. You punched that dude in the face like Superman punching that octopus doctor. It was awesome, Nate said, waving their hands and reenacting the scene. I am not even going to begin to get into how wrong that reference was, but look at this place. We did a lot of damage. We aren't heroes. We are almost as bad as he was, I said with a frown. He was a violent murderer. I don't think we were nearly as bad as that, Nate said softly, stepping in and putting a hand on my shoulder. I winced a little because I was still sore from being thrown against the wall. Look, I get you. This was a dangerous situation, but at the end of the day, we stopped the murderer. We got the anomaly and no one got hurt in the scuffle. Well, other than you, that is. They pointed at my wound and then smiled. I know I seemed like I wasn't taking this seriously at all, but you got to trust me. Every step I took, shot fired, word I said was very deliberate. That fight was under control as soon as it started. I just wish I could have stopped him from picking up the sword, but things like that happen. In the long run, we got it under control, okay? Just trust me as much as I trust you. Yeah, I trust you. Maybe we can try to do things a little bit cleaner next time, I said, trying to force a smile. Hey, hey, even your movie heroes mess things up. There's always a building blowing up or they have to go out of their way to stop someone from falling to their death. It's corny to say, then again, so are the superheroes in general, but it's not how much you, sorry, it's not how much property you save or how clean a job looks that makes you a hero. It's the saving and helping people part, you know? No one can define what makes you a hero but you. You just have to have your heart and mind in the right place, Nate said softly but confidently. Yeah, I guess. There was a small part of me that thought when I started this job, I would be some kind of behind-the-scenes hero. And honestly, even at this point in the job, I'm not really sure if I'm living up to that. I guess what you are saying is that I have to figure it out on my own, I said back. Exactly. You learn quick, rookie. Nate pulled out their phone to look at the time. Hey, after we finish wrapping everything up, you want to head over to the leaky faucet to celebrate a job well done? Why? So you can drink until you forget the sheer amount of paperwork we have to do tomorrow? I said jokingly. Nate laughed. What paperwork? With everything wrapped up, we had another completed, albeit sloppy job under our belts. 
Alistair wasn't too happy with the wrap-up, but we brought in results. Of course, he scolded us, saying something along the lines of, we need to be more careful and limit the amount of collateral damage, but he was happy to see us strive. Though, due to the nature of the job, we were stuck behind our desk for a few days doing the follow-up paperwork. It was part of the job despite both me and Nate hating every second of it. We had to make sure that the nature of No Name and the Anomaly stayed hidden while keeping a clear record of the paper trail of the events that happened. No Name, of course, had to log and study the Anomaly, then lock, lock it away in the vault underneath the main building. It will be guarded and hopefully never see the light of day again. It was the goal to make sure these things never got in the wrong hands again, and to make sure we had the paperwork to support that. Regardless of the setbacks and the boring parts, the job still gave me a drive. I knew I was just starting my journey to discover what the hell it really means to be a hero. And that's my part. Okay, so I want to make some predictions that I don't think are going to okay. happen, but this is what I think is going to happen in the story. Uh, I, I think that Nate? Yeah. Nate? I think I think Nate's going to have a heel turn. And if Nate doesn't have a heel turn, I am going to be mad at you for Nate not having a Nate going to have a heel turn on what? In that Nate is going to be uh like a a thing that the main character has to fight in some in some capacity. No, what? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to make this a Superman versus Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is that Why that do you is say that you're foreshadowing very strongly. <laughs> Not really. It definitely okay. is. <laughs> sure, Jordan. Sure. You're setting up a really great story about about your main character having to kill his partner. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not at all what I mean to set up. But if that's what you want to, that's think, what I want sure, to think. I just want that. I just I want to mention that to you, and then I'm hoping it ends up happening. It's not. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's not what's gonna happen. The, the whole time you were reading <laughs> like, that, I'm just like, are we the baddies? Are we? The, <laughs> okay. I think we're the bad guys. <laughs> And Nate's just like, woo, violence, <laughs> woo, <laughs> woo, baby, 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 baby. I'm like, well, oh no, <laughs> Nate's gonna have to be old yellered. <laughs> One of the things I've always liked is like with these supernatural things, it's always like, oh yeah, we have to find a clever way to like stop the supernatural being and like save the day. But what I like is that these two just rush in, guns blazing, and just like, let's just shoot it in the fucking face. <laughs> it's like, that that's something that I liked writing, where it's just like, oh yeah, the mystic sword, we have to like trick him into putting down the sword. No, we're going to shoot him in the shoulder so he drops it. And it's like, <laughs> then we're going to threaten to blow his brains out. Like, I, I just like that side of it, where it's like, the, the nuance of these like, oh yes, like the Scooby-Doo, they always made a trap. These guys, nah, nah, click click bang <laughs> it's like I, did you I, I watch know. uh did you watch the new um did you watch the new uh uh what's it called suicide squad no i haven't watched like the squad, the peacekeeper yeah. line like i would kill every man woman and child to make peace on this world <laughs> like <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> jordan's protagonist we would kill every man woman and child if it means we would have peace well like, no it, it's one of those things it was like and I know where you're getting the, like, oh, yeah, Nate's going to be the, like, heel turn bad guy. But, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, one person's kind of been doing this for a long time. So it's, like, the collateral damage, not so much as long as at the end of the day they finish it. But the other guy's, like, new to yeah. this and, like, oh, and, like, grew up reading superhero comics. Like, I don't think we should do be doing this. But I, I don't know. I just like the, like, that quick juxtaposition. I also, um, later in the story, kind of, like, play with that and, like, how that turns out. So, I don't know. 
I'm just saying. Voilà. If you're thinking it's about what to do in the third you chapter. You also thought I was going to... Heel turn. You also thought I was going to um kill Magda. Not happening. I feel like you set Magda up all these story. really good things that you like don't follow through on them. <laughs> you foreshadow I really have, cool see, stuff, then you're like, no, 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 no. See, but but I have other cool story beats I want to get to. And like do, doing that like heel turn, making a character that I really like a villain isn't something I necessarily want to I think to what it is is I want to write fan fictions for your worlds. <laughs> you can uh, no no like you could this absolutely. The, write I, I want to write like. The, did you ever you ever see like the or not the office the like community where they have like the the worst timeline you know and yeah no, there's like a thing that. where like they have like a split and like different dimensions and one of them is the bad <laughs> timeline. I want to write the bad timeline of all of your stories. I absolutely, go for the bad. Where timeline, Magna yeah, dies and Nate has a heel turn. Yeah, not not necessarily what I want to take it, but like I appreciate you thinking about <laughs> that. But like I said, I don't know how much of the story I'm going to keep reading on the show with because like like that thing like yeah I could have ended a little bit early so I might do that to my stories like cut out some of I the, don't like, think you should cut out stuff I just think you it. can read half a chapter and not feel self-conscious about it it, it just feels weird just stop like where would I have stopped you could have story, stopped as soon as the bank robbery was over yeah but then that's only like a you know yeah I can just like redo how the I just think that you stop time. at like seven pages or you know like six seven pages just go okay like this is yeah. where I'm breaking you know yeah yeah, we can do that, and then just tack it on to the other stuff. It will just change the format of how the chapters are, but that's fine. Um, I mean, the one that's literally 18 pages, that's just going to be two separate Yeah, pages. right. <laughs> and I, I think I could probably find a stopping point. But yeah, no, I, I hope you I liked it. I enjoyed I did. writing I, stuff. Uh... Um, I'm really excited to finish, like, because I'm almost finished with, like, what I call book one. Like, I'm almost done. Like, I have two chapters of just like like falling action talking left and i'm halfway through one of them um but yeah i'll say it ends where a first book should end where it's like oh yeah we have high hopes for the future <laughs> but yeah, yeah high but hopes for the future after little... nate did a heel turn and had to be put down like old yeller <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, but yeah, that's what we got for this episode. Man, these are going to be fun to edit. So long. you like put um, Anakin and Obi Wan in your story, and then you're like, "What do you mean?" Nate has a heel turn. I don't understand where you're getting that. Like, it doesn't have to be a heel turn. But it's more of a growing up and maturity thing. Because like this person is clearly immature. But anyways, but that w- <laughs> anyways, I, I want to write my one, one of them is how one of them is how humans actually act, and the other one is like purely like this fictional like melodrama that I that don't necessarily want to breach. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyways, Cody, you got anything else for this nope, episode? I'm good. Okay, well, um, oh, it's really sad. We don't have to like roll for the next. No, week. next week, right. chapter two. Yeah, chapter two and chapter twelve. Here we go. Um, thanks all for listening. We will, I guess that's, yeah, we will catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.